You're listening to the Contemplative Podcast. Contemplative Podcast. Hello, I'm Matt Emery and welcome to another episode of the Contemplative Podcast. If you're new, then welcome. I hope you enjoy. And if you do, then please like or comment or subscribe or pass on to your friends who you think might be into it and delve into our back catalogue of previous composers and label chats. So in this episode, I chat with the lovely Clarice Jensen, fresh from touring with Dustin O'Halloran, both as support and as part of his band. We talk about the European tour, her live setup, and delve a little into the technical aspects of her sound. Her new album, Esthesis, out now on Fat Cat's 130701 label. Her string ensemble, Acme. What drew her to the cello as a child, performing Max Richter's Sleep, and so much more. And as always, there'll be music along the way with snippets from her album Ethicist, starting with this beautiful track titled Joy. Welcome, Clarice. Uh, it's lovely to get you on the Contemplative podcast. Um, obviously, we've been chatting for a few months now, so it's great to actually finally get the chance to speak to you. And um, yeah, how, how have things been going? I know we just had a little catch up literally very briefly, but uh, when we were speaking last, obviously, you had quite a busy 2022. You released your album Aesthesis and you're also on tour with Dustin O'Halloran, um, playing as part of his band and as support. And firstly, yeah, how, how did all that go? I saw you at Queen Elizabeth Hall and thought it was absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad um, I'm glad you could come to the concert. And yeah, it was such a pleasure to be back on the road again. I hadn't done a proper tour since the pandemic, so it was um, it was really great to be doing that whole thing again. Um, it was a little hard. I would have to admit it was hard to sort of get the momentum back and get um, get moving again in the same way. I had done concerts and been traveling, but not so much in a row. Um, yeah. So so getting that muscle memory back was a little tricky, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. But um, was there any... El- was there any element of, of nerves at all or, or are you are you kind of quite used to being on a stage? Yeah, um, I mean, nerves only not in performance, but more, I think, uh, about how the audience would feel about my music. I hadn't done that much touring in Europe and UK. So um, so and in fact, I had never it was my first time meeting Dave Howell um, from the from the label, so oh, it was amazing. the first. I, I can't remember the last time I performed in the UK. So, um, and also sort of knowing the type of music Dustin plays and his his sort of 
um, fan base and audience, I was like, is my music a little too austere for this setting? Or <laughs> I'm not quite sure how this is going to go. But but I I feel like it was actually really great. And um, the the audience members I spoke to after who weren't necessarily familiar with my stuff um, were enthusiastic. And it was sort of a nice setup, I think, for, for Dustin's set, too. Um, so. I, th- I think it's always as as a punter like I think it's always actually nice to um, go to concerts where it's not the same thing like do you know what I mean like it's actually nice to see two sets that are I mean obviously I'd say yours veers towards more ambient and then it's like leads lovely into Dustin I think that actually I like that personally I think it's actually quite nice to you know have something as yeah. I say, just not a carbon copy of the same setup and yeah I think it's nice yeah me too and um well, and I've I've been playing Dustin's music for so long with him, and so it was actually for me every night to be doing this relatively new thing on my own, and then slip back into the very comfortable music of, of with playing with Dustin and my friend Yuki. It was just sort of a, like a nice balance of of experiences for me too every night. So so all in all, it was really great. Yeah, I was so happy. <laughs> Um, I went with a friend of mine and we were both talking about it on the night actually um, it's a bit nerdy but I thought I'd get this in early I wondered what was what was on your pedal board because obviously you run your cello through a chain of effects and we were kind of discussing we were trying to work out what pedals you might have like I wondered if you could share with us what you put your cello through sure yeah I um well sort of like at the front of my chain I have a pog and um which is the octaver pedal, and so I use that to, you know, just have more of a range, and and that pedal effects, uh, like, on the cello especially, kind of creates this organ effect too, which I really like. Yes. Um, so, the that in combination with delays, or um, I have a after the pog is a Mellotron, the Mel Nine pedal from Electroharmonics, and. From there, I split my signal, so I have a looper, just a little ditto, and then I use a Line 6 DL4, um, and then at the end is a, just a Blue Sky Strymon pedal um, reverb, and I think that's it on that chain. Yeah, and then the other side goes into sort of a sequence of freeze pedals. I have three, oh, on that tour I had four, actually, four freeze pedals that I use. Um, I have them split and then summed again so um, I can control each one independently and they each have their own volume control too Um, so 
for each freeze I can they're just sound retainer pedals so like when I'm playing yeah. a, a note then then it just grabs and makes like basically a tiny little loop um to yeah. to keep that pitch going so that's how I kind of build up drones and um and then I have it summed again, and then that goes into uh, Strymon Lex pedal, which is a Leslie cabinet emulator. And then at the end of that, I have a, a Chase Bliss pedal called uh, Dark World, um, yes. which I really like. It does a lot of stuff, and I haven't gone. You can go really deep with that pedal. It, <laughs> there are all these dip switches on the back. I have not gone there yet, <laughs> but I really like some of the the tape effects and the VHS effects on that. Um, and it's, it's, it's a nice sort of reverb to, um, for the end of that channel. And then, then I just yeah. have a little mixer up with me to control each, each of those, uh, independently, but, um, that's pretty, Amazing. I think that's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nice. And, and you had, um, you're also being accompanied by some visuals as well. Did you, are you, do you normally perform with visuals? Or was that kind of specifically for that tour? Yeah, um, usually uh, the first album that I did uh, was sort of in conjunction with a video artist. And we made um, those, well, the pieces were done, the music was done first. And then um, the videos were done specifically for each each track. So, um, and that was sort of part of a specific show that we did together that was at the kitchen here in New York. Um, and Testu Collective also in New York, they did videos for, um, for my album that came out during the pandemic, um, the experience of repetition is death. And they, um, we were meant to tour with those videos and, um, but I, everything got canceled, of course. So, um, so the videos that you saw were part, were from that album, but they were not necessarily, the same because every night I sort of did a different set list and played yeah. stuff from my first record and and also improvised so it was it was a bit more uh more ambient um so yeah I don't yeah. always play with visuals but uh often <laughs> I guess yeah I thought I thought it worked really nicely I thought I did think it is uh you know it's a lovely layer especially sometimes you kind of just uh get lost a bit because obviously it is that kind of music where you can just drift off and let your mind go and sometimes when you yeah when you got some lovely visuals that aren't they weren't too much it was just kind of perfect you know kind of lovely flowing images and things yeah I think it really works oh thanks I'm glad to hear that yeah <laughs> it's um it's always like hard to balance too I think because you don't want total totally uh non engaging visuals but at the same time yes. you want them to sort of complement each other so yes and I feel that Testu really have got a lock on the right amount of engagement or non-engagement or um you know allowing for for both listening and, and viewing I think they're so great at yeah. that so yeah
it'd be lovely to actually talk about Easter sis. I hope I'm pronouncing that okay. Yeah, I mean, there、oh. are different ways apparently to. Pre- I always thought it was esthesis, and then I've heard people say esthesis and or esthesis. So they're all apparently fine. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And this is your. You've obviously released with thirteen oh seven oh one, which is、uh, part of Fat Cat,、um, who you've been releasing now a few records with. Yes. And、um, yeah, can you tell us a tiny bit more about the record?、Um, I've read obviously that you've. Uh, recorded a lot of it or all of it at home, and also you know it kind of branches out. There's a few, not just cello. There's synths. There's pianos. There's there's all sorts going on. So can you tell us a tiny bit more about it for the people who won't have heard it? Sure.、Um, yeah, I would say it's definitely my my pandemic record. <laughs> I don't know if people are saying that, but、um, it's kind of. Embarrassing to put it that way, but it was definitely、uh, stuck at home, difficult to travel and or record、um, other people or, or work elsewhere. So、um, in the pandemic, I had sort of hunkered down and bought new gear, and、um, I was working on a film called No Man of God, and、um, it was funny because when I was sort of pitching for the film, I. Described a very like low key, almost sound design style soundtrack with,、uh, you know, with more like the technology of the eight. It was set in the eighties. It's a film about Ted Ted Bundy,、um, and so、yeah. sort of the technology of the eighties、uh, sounds, his、uh, tape, his that sort of thing,、uh, defining the era, and、um, specifically not a synth score. <laughs> and what had ended up happening was. It was a very synth-heavy score that they wanted in the end, and I, you know, that's just the way things go. And so I was kind of forced、um, into the situation where I had to、uh, figure out how to write for for synths and you know use sounds that obviously I knew well, but didn't had not written for, used or,、yeah. or programmed or anything. So, but it was you know nothing else was going on. So. <laughs> It was a great opportunity for me to to do that. I had also just I I moved to the Hudson Valley from the city from Brooklyn,、um, in what was meant to be a temporary one year move, but it's become permanent. So I'm still I'm still here in the woods <laughs> forever now, <laughs>、um, which is really exciting. But I I bought sort of well I got a free piano from Craigslist and.、Um, Got it tuned, and so I was. I had a piano, and I,、um, I got a Juno, and I got some plugins, and、um, just sort of like started building up studio gear in ways that I hadn't before, and that I didn't have room for before in Brooklyn.、Um, and so I think working with those instruments, and also just sort of、um, being forced to. Work alone and imagine sound worlds beyond just my cello.、Um, yeah, kind of led me to want to make a whole record、um, with that in mind as well. So,、um, yes. so that was that's how it sort of happened. And、um, sort of the program or the the concept for the album, I had originally thought of that as like a big ensemble concert, possibly. With a band and just sort of a open drone-based concert-length experience with 
baths of colors of light and for the audience and things like that, like a very immersive experience. And I was thinking back to that and realizing, like, I don't know when that's ever going to happen or if it'll ever happen. And I already had that concept in mind. And so working, I think, with a bigger um, arsenal of sounds, like I was like, I think I can just convert that concept into into a record instead. Um, But I think in doing so, I didn't really because I was by myself, I, I, I was hoping to use the bigger palette of sound, not really to as like a big sounding record, but as like, it, it, it's meant to evoke isolation, <laughs> if that makes yes. any sense. And, and more so than, than I think my cello sounds do. Um, and so, so I hoped to use the instruments that way, um, as opposed to it being sort of a grand, big, um, immersive kind of thing. It, it's meant to feel a bit alone, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, the titles obviously all taking their name from emotions. Did you have those before you started or did they kind of come as you were working through it? Yeah, those were all part of uh, the concert concept. So those had yes. been decided upon um, and they're deliberately sort of um, two dimensional, you know, like not very, they're very basic and, and rudimentary and, and that sort of ties into the to the title as well so it's not yeah. meant to you know go very deep in terms of, of evoking joy or love it's just like a very it's like a platform for which you can attach yeah. your feelings about those feelings or fill in the blanks I guess said uh, you released with Dave at 130701 like how did you come by meeting Dave and and sort of coming to work with him obviously I can see that you've worked with a lot of artists around his world um yeah did, did it come by that or sort of I guess so yeah I, I honestly I can't really remember um I think um yeah, I mean, I think it just sort of made sense in that, you know, I'd worked with Johan a lot and Dustin and um, and Max Richter. So I think it just sort of happened. But I'm not really I'm drawing a blank as to trying to piece together, the, put, connect the dots. I don't really quite remember. But I'm so happy because um, he's such a great um, he's very enthusiastic and just always working so hard to to support not just what's coming out on the record, but everything I'm doing as an artist. And I have such a sort of like multifaceted goings on <laughs> um, outside yeah. of just the record too, just with, yeah. with my ensemble Acme and 
classical world stuff too. So, um, and he's always he's always very supportive of all of that, and and I think that's probably quite rare when it comes to to the label man. So I really really yeah. appreciate Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. You've just you've just mentioned Acme and it's uh it was later on, but let's 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 get onto it now oh, as soon as it that will flow. No, no, that's absolutely fine. I think it's kind of nice when things kind of uh naturally just kind of uh yeah, go it go it go there. Um obviously that stands for the American Contemporary Music Ensemble. Mm-hmm. And you've worked with artists such as Max Richter, Wing Victory, uh Stars of the Lid, uh and then even even people like Grizzly Bear and The National. Um, weirdly enough, I was watching Sky Arts the other night and The National and I uh, I recognised you playing cello in the background. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't... That must have been from some years ago. I, yeah, I, it wasn't yeah. a recent concert. But yeah, we just saw The National were on and thought, oh, that that's literally caught the last half an hour. And then it was one of those things of like, oh, that, I'm speaking to her in a, in a couple of weeks. So <laughs> yeah, re- really lovely concert it was. But um, yeah, how, how, how did... Um, Acme come about like how did you start that and yeah can you tell us a bit more about yeah the the vision behind it and some of the collaborations I've realized I've just mentioned a few names there but yeah some of the people you have worked with yeah um well we've been going for a long time now basically when I was finishing school at Juilliard um I didn't really well you finish school you get a degree you know and then it's sort of like especially in New York you don't really know what you're going to do with that degree or like what your life is going to look like, you know, unless I think other people um, take more direct paths to getting a doctorate and getting a teaching position or auditioning for orchestras or maybe they're in a string quartet that has a residency here or there. Um, But more or less, if you're freelancing in the city, it's just a big kind of question mark about like what what's going to happen next. And I was just trying to imagine not having this the infrastructure of school anymore to rehearse and put on concerts and do recitals and play with your friends, you know. And um, I'd spent six years at Juilliard, you know, making friends and playing together. And the thought of that being gone was a little sad. So, um, so we decided to start a music ensemble, a contemporary music ensemble. The first season we did four concerts. Um, and yeah, the idea then was just to play concerts of music that we liked by composers living and dead, focusing on Americans, but not necessarily um, all Americans. <laughs> you know, we just yeah. kind of needed some kind of goalposts or like some some parameters in terms of starting a group. So, um, so we, yeah, the, and every year just kind of grew after that. And, um, I think we first collaborated with, I first met Adam Wiltsey. Um, it must've been like 2009, 2010, something a long time ago. And, um, Stars of Lilith did a few tours um or a few concerts a small tour um yeah and we we did those concerts and then through adam i met uh johan johansson who like i think the next year did his first u.s tour um and that was the first time i got in a sprinter van and went 
across America and started in New York and ended in California and L.A. And mm-hmm. and those were the first times that Johan was playing his chamber music in, in the States. And, um, and it was really great. I think um, it was sort of collaborating with those artists that um, because their music and their parts are a lot more, um, it's just a lot more collaborative working with composers like them as opposed to um, more capital C compo- classical composers who yes. who have put so much more, so much more, have made so many more decisions and determinations in the score. Um, so yeah. it was the first time kind of really working collaboratively with, with artists like them. And so um, I think it really kind of permanently changed the trajectory of, of the group and um, from then on, we kind of leaned more towards collaborating with living composers and f- friends or per- composer performers who aren't necessarily only composers, that kind of thing. And the group actually has several composers themselves. And um, so, uh, so yeah, I think that's that's pretty much how it started. <laughs> and it's been, it's never been like we have a specific goal in mind or, or a path or we just kind of, and I think that's kind of how my, maybe it, cause I'm in charge. That's how it's gone. <laughs> but like, that's how my, my own career has kind of gone too. So, um, yeah. we just kind of follow what feels good. And, um, and so, yeah. just um, how you came by playing the cello if that's okay I wondered um, has it always been the cello is that the instrument you started on was there anything else at all or um, yeah yeah I um, well technically I started on the violin my sister and I both started Suzuki lessons when we were really young and I was actually not yet three when I started violin lessons and um, then there was a there was a recital and I saw other kids um, playing the cello this is I don't remember this but this is what I'm told <laughs> is that I saw other kids playing a cello and I was like I want one of those and so <laughs> so my teacher she taught both violin and cello so she was like we can try cello and then so at my next lesson I got a cello and apparently just was like laser focused on the cello whereas the violin like I didn't I didn't care about whatsoever <laughs> so um so yeah that was it I just um never didn't play the cello basically um I started piano lessons when I was five and um so I I studied piano for a long time but I didn't I don't know I just didn't have the same kind of love connection for the piano yeah (laughs) and was there any records that you remember sort of um or any 
first records that you bought that you can remember that really also inspired you that you kind of heard that and it changed changed things for you or you found a a massive connection kind of growing up with is there any records that stand out to you yeah um well I mean records in general from when I was really little because I studied Suzuki method that's sort of like you don't learn to read notes for the first several years um and so you just learn by ear and part of the method is just listening over and over to the the pieces that you're working on and um I believe it was Rostropova was it Rostropova some famous cellist did the recordings that I had and they were and I thought they were just so beautiful and so I was always listening to the cello when I was young too (laughs) and so I think that's really what turned my ear on too like in terms of of music and it being a listening first activity as opposed to uh uh activity that you do with your brain or your hands separately um I think that's what made me really tuned in to listening. Um, but then my mom was pretty strict about only listening to classical music in the house. So it was all pretty much classical music all the time. But I remember sneaking in some stuff and I remember <laughs> um, sneaking, I remember listening to OK Computer for the first time. And I that kind of just blew blew my mind um I didn't realize that music could sound that way and I didn't really know anything about Radiohead previously so it was just sort of like what is this this is incredible (laughs) (laughs) um and it seemed I mean that's still something like when it when one of those songs come on I'm just like this is really good (laughs) and um I I'm not sure uh, trying to think of something else that that's quite funny you reference Radiohead with 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 the roots that Johnny Greenwood's taken for example it's like I mean obviously all of those guys are phenomenal musicians but yes yeah, uh... it's true yeah and I think maybe it's like it's such amazing sounds and timbre but also like a really like like sophisticated counterpoint you know in music that is considered or that album is considered a pop record I suppose but um and like also like this non-traditional kind of song structures and and all of that I think I just didn't really expect or, or or maybe because I had been listening to so much classical music my whole life that like that was a parallel that made sense to me too somehow but yeah. sorry I feel like I'm it, I don't mean it to sound like snobby like I was like no, no, from no, my from my cool. classical uh, <laughs> <laughs> ivory tower over here or something I didn't mean it that way but yeah cool I, I have to ask um a question that I really have to ask is is obviously you've performed as part of Max Richter's sleep concerts and they are for people who don't know like it's, it's an eight hour long record and you've performed though that live um how is that performing for eight hours and kind of getting in the headspace of knowing that you're going to be yeah playing for the next eight hours <laughs> um it's my favorite thing to do in life is play sleep <laughs> mm-hmm. um I don't know like at the end of every sleep I'm sobbing some of like the, our, Laura our other violinist is sobbing I don't know it gets very emotional by the end I don't know if it's the sleep deprivation or what but <laughs> Um, 
but yeah, it's very <laughs> emotional. And um, I mean, for starters, we're not playing for eight hours and like continuously. Um, there are a lot yeah. of only piano moments or there are moments of just electronics. And so we have, I think I have three, two or three like solid like half hour breaks. I can go off stage and, and then some smaller ones too here and there. So it's not like a matter of, um, you know, it's like there are some Morton Feld, there's a Morton Feldman quartet that is like actually eight hours long. And I think they have to play for the entirety. Um, so it, it's not, it's, it is physically very taxing um, because yeah. Max's music is, you know, it's very sustained. And um, also that concert is just bathed in a giant reverb. So if, and a lot of delay. So if you play a little out of tune, that note is just <laughs> hanging around for a really <laughs> long time. So you have to like <laughs> really be careful not to, um, you know, to mess up. And so, it, and, and, you know, in the, after you've been sort of awake all night, your, your perceptions kind of change and you kind of, um, I don't know, it's just kind of easier to make mistakes <laughs> in the middle of the night, <laughs> but, yeah, but, <laughs> but it's also a lot easier to kind of go into a place where you aren't, thinking you know that you aren't that you're just playing and you're playing often times for a lot of sleeping people and and that that's kind of I don't know I love it I think that yeah. people experiencing music on such a level of of non-thinking is like so rare and and exciting and so for me to be like responsible for making those sounds is really it's really exciting to me. So I, yeah, I really love playing sleep. Um, Amazing. Yeah. I remember, cool. sorry, the first time That's we right. did it though, uh, the first time we played sleep with Max was at the Sydney Opera House and we didn't play in the auditorium, but in the sort of the lobbies that are outside. And if you've been there, it's just like tons of glass and it's looking out over the Harbor. Um, and if you're, looking out the glass it kind of feels like you're on a ship and yes. the two nights that we played there was this crate crate two nights both had crazy crazy storms and there were like giant waves crashing around the harbor and that oh, wow. <laughs> the building is you know it's like this old brutalist building and like there's water coming in so like the people were running around like putting buckets out to collect dripping water and and everyone was sleeping on cots and like had their water bottles and I don't know it felt like sort of a like we were trying to escape or like some kind of refugee like we were seeking <laughs> refuge from this terrifying storm and like Max wow. and us were like playing for everyone it was like I don't know I invented this very like fun emergency dramatic situation I think in the middle of the night I was like we're saving lives <laughs> <laughs> but um I mean I'm not sure uh why why my brain went there but yeah <laughs> that's cool um and yeah last last question is just um can you tell us anything that you have lined up for this year in 2023 Sure. Yeah. I, um, well, I mentioned Acme just played a new piece that I wrote, um, 
called The Exaltation of Inanna, um, and that was at the Morgan Library in New York City, and um, it's for six singers and string quartet, electronics, and electric guitar. Um, so I hope to record that, and hopefully we'll get some more performances of that piece, too. Um, I'm coming back to London to the Barbican um, in May, and I'm playing two nights with a wing victory for the Sullen and also opening the second night. Um, so there's that, and we do tentatively have some drone masks, uh, Johan Johansson's piece, Drone Mass, which Acme commissioned, and we recorded for Deutsche Grammophone. Um, we have some dates in October in Europe. Um, so that's the plan. Um, hopefully record. I also wrote a piece for violin and cello, myself and my friend Yuki. And so I, I think that'll be the next record. It's the first half will be that piece, and the second half will be this new piece um, for the Exaltation of Inanna, which we just premiered. So that's generally the plan. Other than that, I'm working I'm working on a film score for Irish director right now um, and also a Netflix series uh, called uh, El Portal, which is about um, sex trafficking in Central America. Um, so that's what I'm working on now. I think both of those are going to be wrapped up by springtime. Um, so yeah, a lot of exciting thing yeah, yeah a, busy, a busy year then yeah hopefully yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome well thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today and uh yeah it's been it's been an absolute privilege thank you oh it's my pleasure thank you so much for including me yeah.